0: Hi, this is Rob Wiltsy, founder of Schoolshine. We make custom, professional-quality videos for school districts. We want to make sure your district has the very best video content possible and the best content strategy so you can get the most out of your videos. So check out some samples at SchoolShine.org and schedule a call with us today to learn how you can take your videos to the next level. That's SchoolShine.org. Do you wish
1: that creating and sending email newsletters took less time and effort? Would you like more parents to tune in and read your district's newsletter? If so, try MarketVolt, the email newsletter platform tailored for districts like yours. With MarketVolt, it's simple to create newsletters that parents will read. MarketVolt automatically customizes your newsletter to match each parent's interest. With MarketVolt, you can create better newsletters with less headache and less hassle. Visit betterk12newsletter.com to learn what MarketVolt can do for you. That's betterk12newsletter.com, powered by MarketVolt.
2: Hey there, PR experts. Blackboard here. School PR is about telling the story of your students, your teachers, and your school community. From websites and mass notifications to mobile presence and classroom engagement, Blackboard has the tools that you need. And whether you're a one-person shop or part of a bigger communication team, we can help you reach more people more effectively in less time. Thank you for all the work you do in improving education and helping students succeed. And thanks for letting us be a part of it. Now, back to the podcast.
0: advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, teachers, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Blackboard, School Shine, and Market Bolt. Here's your host, Ryan Ferran. And welcome back to the School PR Podcast, everyone. It is episode 46, and we have the Missouri Connection with us, Pat Hahn from Market Vault. Pat, how the heck are you? Appreciate you stopping by. How's Market Vault and all the folks over there?
3: We're doing well. We're all uh, cleared out of the offices, working from home, uh, ready to choke our kids, and uh, hating being inside the four walls as much as we are, but... You know, doing our social distancing thing to get this stupid thing over with as much as we
0: can. I love following you on Facebook. The uh, the beard, the hair, it is. It's um, it's something. It's
3: uh, it's a little unwieldy. Uh, this is probably as long as my hair's been since I was uh, in grad school, or so. So I've I've got some good COVID hair, especially in the mornings. But thankfully, it stays relatively tame for most of my Zoom calls. though the headset on, and it, uh, it's uh, it tends to it tends to calm down a little bit from there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we're ready to have everything kind of open up, at least at that level. My wife keeps offering, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. So <laughs> we'll we'll just pick with what we got. I know what I'm working with here.
0: Uh, That's awesome. So we're going to talk a little bit. You have some great opportunities for webinars coming up Friday, Saturday. We're going to chat about newsletter tips and tricks, techniques. Uh, Vault has a new platform. Uh, Best practices we're going to chat about. So we're going to get to it all. How are the, um, I just want to talk a little bit how how COVID-19 in Missouri is and kind of in LA and California, we're kind of a hot spot, LA County in particular. We have a lot of cases and our health director mentioned we may be extending our order till deep into the summer. So that was big news here. How is it in Missouri?
3: So it's uh, for for better or worse. Um, we've been following the lead, if we'll call it that, of our governor um, for most of the most of the state, a couple of our, our big city regions, St. Louis in particular um have really kind of run off on their own uh and and really been a little bit more strict because you know our bigger hot spots if if you'll call them that you know we're certainly not seeing the kinds of things that like new york city la stuff like that is seen but you know where we are seeing our higher number of cases are really in in city st louis county st louis and kind of over in kansas city and you know those those metro areas have been a little more uh strict a little little longer lasting a bit more restrictive um, than what you kind of seen throughout the rest of the state. And I, I live about 45 minutes or so from downtown. Um, and in our County, uh, our County executive has already started to loosen things up. And in fact, they they never really locked anything down. They sort of made it optional, which was always a little, you know, eye raising, um, from that end. But thankfully, you know, we've not seen a huge outbreak. Um, at least not what's been reported. I think a little of that's driven by, um, kind of a lack of testing you know i think it's one of those uh you know if, if you're not headed into the hospital you're probably not going to have a good shot of a test so i think that's artificially deflating things and, and i'm a little bit worried as they're opening back up that we might be kind of poising ourselves for a round two there are a lot of uh big mother's day gathering gatherings and things like that kind of going on so we'll we'll see how this plays out but you know thankfully it's not been uh an awful outbreak in our neck of the woods as of yet so we're keeping our fingers crossed on that Up. I'll tell you, I haven't left my house hardly at all. And when I do, is got, a, I've got a mask on. You know, I make my trip to Costco every so often or run up to the grocery store because uh, there's six miles to feed just in humans, not counting animals. So we got to, <laughs> got to, got to make sure TFS isn't, uh, DCFS isn't called on us from that end and keep feeding these things, um, since I don't have schools to do it. But, uh, you know, we make the necessary trips and, and try to keep it to a minimum
0: otherwise. Well, I'm glad you and the family are safe, and I know you have a lot of mouths to feed in that house. Let's go Let's go over the numbers, Pat. This is important. you got, Hello, You got a busy household. <laughs> Give us the rundown, uh, please.
3: <laughs> all right. Now, don't get me in trouble, so hopefully the county doesn't hear this, because I'm pretty sure I'm above the, the legal numbers here. Uh, so I've got four kids, ranging from four years old up to a 13-year-old, um, boy, girl, boy, girl. Uh, and then we have four, three big dogs. Uh, my small one is a 70 pounder my big one's about 95 Wow! and then there is a a litter of kitties running around here um, that range in age from almost 16 to not quite one yet and there are six of those things so um, we have a lot of litter boxes, a lot of hair a lot of Xbox (laughs) playing, a lot of consternation in one form or another Um, cat fights whether they be with humans or with cats are (laughs) a daily occurrence around my household so yeah, it's it's nice when we can, and one nice thing that has happened in the state is that a lot of our our state parks have stayed open. Um, a lot of the facilities have closed, but we've been able to get out and kind of do some hiking and you know get outside the four walls and enjoy some nature. So that that always kind of brings the uh, the energy level up and and some of the frustration levels down a little bit. So that helps for sure.
0: Well, the Hans are a good family taking care of all those beings and animals. That's a full, full... all the
3: rescues. Yep, we got a bunch of them. You know, you gotta don't don't like the strays sitting out there. But I am done. I've already warned them. At least three have to go away before anybody else comes in, and that holds true for the kids as well. So
0: <laughs> that's a full house of love you got. Hey, the good news is too. I, as you know, I tried to adopt a dog. The shelters are empty, so the county should be not upset with you. They should be giving you a plaque in your honor for taking care of those strays and the rescues. <laughs> well-
3: well, let me know. Instead of dogs, if you'd like a kid or two, I can ship with you them out your direction. We'll just cut some holes in the box and we'll, we'll call it a day, you know. I'll, I'll throw some water in there, maybe some granola bars. They'll be <laughs> here in a couple days. Just, just say the
0: word. Uh, I'm looking for a being that doesn't talk. I just want somebody… I'm, <laughs> I'm far from
3: that on this sense that it, that is not something that's happening within my children. They, they, they got my gift,
0: unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I just want something that just loves me and doesn't talk and will listen. That's all I want. Just a cute, adorable dog.
3: And, and the hopefully poops on the floor less than maybe my kids have the past. So we'll leave
0: that alone, Jill. <laughs> exactly. All right, Pat, let's get to business. So one thing we do know during this crazy school closure time, COVID-19, is that communications and information is our lifeline with our staff, students, and community right now. It has never been more important to have a good communications flow, giving people information. It's how they're connected. It's, you know, people are not at ease right now. It's change. It's huge change. It's a crisis pandemic. But the one thing that comforts them is hearing from our school leaders, from our school districts, getting them information about what's happening, the stay at home orders and all that. So lifelines, even my superintendent was saying like, I mean, communications is really the lifeline of between the schools and our families and everybody right now. Um, So it's just such an important time. So it's perfect timing to have you on to talk about some of these best practices. Before we dive a little bit deeper into some of those techniques with uh, e-newsletters, You have a webinar coming up. Uh, I want you to give us the information how people can get that on Friday and Saturday. And then one thing you guys do so amazingly is your newsletter, which is free, and it has all these great tips, techniques, and best practices. So start with the newsletter. How do we sign up for that if we're already not a big subscriber and fan?
3: Absolutely. So I, I, I'm, I'm not as efficient as I probably need to be with that. I need to get something out there a little bit more public facing on that. But if you're not getting my K-12 connector, so it's a biweekly newsletter that is almost exclusively value add, you know, I've got a little, a little tip in there, our little piece in there where, you know, people want to learn more, they can certainly reach out to me. Um, but otherwise, I'm, I'm trying to throw as much content as you, at you as I can track down, uh, the course of a given few weeks. If you're interested in that at all, getting onto that, um, just shoot me a quick email. Uh, if you're listening to this, I'm Hawn at benchmarkemail.com. So pat.hon, it's H-A-W-N at benchmarkemail.com. Um, the webinar coming up. So I'm hosting, uh, this is actually a presentation that I did uh at Teesborough, the big Texas conference, uh back in February before uh we became into this whole new world order uh and got great feedback. Uh thankfully had no no sessions or rounds where there was nobody at my table. And in fact for a couple of them we had to pull a few more chairs up. Uh and what we're diving into with it um is this whole idea of sort of revamping, uh you know, best practicing, being ready for your e-news. Um, whether you're doing one now or, or you're not, it doesn't matter what platform you're using, but it, it's titled, From Must Haves to What's Next, 30 Minutes to Improve Your E-News. Um, and so we're really going to dive in on, on that webinar um, to hopefully kind of give some good tips and tricks. We'll give a couple sneak peeks here uh, in just a couple of minutes. But if you do want to sign up for that, so I've got that session coming up. Uh, the first one is Friday, uh, this coming Friday, the 15th. Um, it's going to be at 10 a.m. Central time, and you can find that at bit.ly. It's bit.ly slash K12 E-news and then the number 1. And then I've got a second session of that um, all live, so if you do have questions or things like that, you can throw them at me. Coming up on the 26th of May, uh, that one will be at noon Central and it's the same bit.ly, except we're going to throw the number two on the end because that was as fancy as I could get. So <laughs> bit.ly slash k12 E News and the number two.
0: Amazing. That's going to be a great good opportunity for people to dive deeper with you. And I've uh, heard good things and I, I love the newsletter too. There's, so you do a great job of curating kind of the best of the best in the past couple of weeks. And um, I highly suggest people sign up for the webinar and the newsletter for sure. Very good stuff. And, and you're on Twitter too, MV underscore Pat where people can connect with you and get all this stuff too, right?
3: Absolutely, we've got some of those links out there. I actually had just shared uh, earlier today here when we're recording this on the 13th how people can sign up for my newsletter there. Um, I've got more information about the webinar and uh, I'm always giving my, my crew in the K-12 world some great shout outs all over Twitter and kind of trying to stay connected there because I can't see you. I gotta find a way to do it otherwise. So I figured animated GIFs is a great way to do it.
0: Of course. Tespra, real quick. Goodness, when I was at Enspur a couple of years ago, Texas really does everything is bigger their communications departments and how they do communications I was just so impressed with so many of the folks I met from Texas and kind of how they how much they value communications they have huge comms departments and PR and marketing departments Um, how awesome is the Teespr conference and you know how many people go and just a little insights to Teespr I'd love to hear
3: Absolutely. So we've we've been down there. I've been down to Cheesboro now for I think about four or five years in a row here. Um, and, and this time it was nice and calm because it was it was in mid-February, kind of before everything got crazy. But uh, I think this year we had somewhere around 850 or so attendees. Um, so that's the second biggest conference in the country um, on the Sprawl World, at least uh, behind only the National Conference. Um, I think. The, the California one may be the next biggest that I've run across so far, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's great. I mean, there for for every giant team, you've also got you know the the little rural uh, district, and even those people um, are engaged and and uh, you know excited and, and ready to learn. And um, you know, one of the nice things that that I've certainly seen as kind of an outsider in this sprawl world, um, you know, is, is how tight these communities really are. Uh, you know, from a national perspective, you know because as you get some of these bigger groups and you know the things like the Twitters and Facebook groups and things like that, people helping people, um, you know, no matter what part of the country you're in. but seeing the strength that comes within the different state conferences and you know the way that people help each other, whether you're from a giant district with you know teams of ten or fifteen or whether you're you know a, a solo team and and you're leaning on those that are around you, you know that's always something that, um, I've really admired uh, within the community uh, of how much you guys all have each other's back. I mean, when we were at um, uh, we were there for the conference as everything was kind of slowly falling apart. Um, you know, the the announcement of the the emergency happened the first morning that we were there. The the fact that San Diego and LA were uh, districts were going to be closing happened the second morning, and and they just said, "Look, we're going to close the conference, and we're going to bring everybody together, and and let you all work together." Um, you know, to make sure that you're ready for everything that's about to come. Now, little did we know what was really about to come, but at least in the point of you know, sort of getting yourself ready from a messaging standpoint, for making announcements, you know, knowing where those dominoes were going to fall, and that sense of community and camaraderie, um, it's definitely something that's that's just amazing to see you know, you guys are kind of all in this together and, and nobody else really understands kind of what you're going through. So to know that, you know, you've all got each other's backs and a, and a shoulder to lean on and sometimes a shoulder to cry on, Um, you know, and, and to be able to plug into that just a little bit, and the friendships that I've made and the, the partnerships that we've built, um, it's definitely something that I value. I mean, you guys,
0: You're so right about the school PR community. Obviously, you know it so well because you've been at so many of these conferences and are involved in it uh, for so long. But it, it's hard to explain to people outside that don't get it. Is we're I, I consider myself a super competitive person. Like I, I want to beat you know the next district next to me and all that stuff. But it's once you realize it's all for public education and you're working together. But everyone's so willing to share, collaborate, and if I spent um, you know, 10 hours working on this resource and this thing, people are willing to share it. And uh, so I love that about um, school PRs and these conferences. Everyone's just so collaborative and willing to share. And it's great to hear that about uh, TSPRA. I, I, I got to get there one year because I was so Absolutely. impressed by the people I met in Texas and they're just, their thinking and their mindsets. They're really, they really know their stuff in Texas. So that's, and- and hear. let's be
3: honest, but the food and the snacks down there, you know, the, the whole team of Teesboro, we we had, there was a donut, uh, donut wall uh, two years ago, I think we had. We did, uh, there were cake balls last year was our <laughs> snack. We, we had a bacon buffet two years ago at the conference where there was about seven different kinds of bacon and, you know, wrapped in chocolate or with all this. They, they know how to put a conference on down there, not only in the size and scale, but just in all the little finishing touches. They, they do a great job down
0: there. You don't like the quinoa and kale we give you out in California? <laughs> oh, it's,
3: it's great. It's great. As long as I can find a cheeseburger nearby, we're good with all of
0: that. <laughs> oh, exactly. It's, it's funny. We, we, we have our health kicks, and uh, everyone in the rest of the country can make fun of us, and we deserve it, so it's all good. <laughs> Um, so let's dive into some of these specifics, Pat, about uh, what you'll be talking about in the webinar and some of these bec- best practices that you'll be sharing and kind of you learned over the years as far as e newsletters. It, it is part art, part science, like a lot of things in communications and school PR. There's a lot of data to it, and then there's kind of the fine finessing that you, you know, trial and error that you figure out that, ooh, that really connected and we got a lot of reach with that. So, what are a couple of those uh, things that you'll be going over in the webinar?
3: Absolutely. So a couple of quick ones. Uh, you know, one of the ones I talk about that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is, is the idea of, of that big pretty banner that people just love to throw out there. Um, stop it. Stop it. It doesn't have to be so big. You know, if you think of a newspaper, if you think of a magazine, that masthead is not huge, you know. You, you know what you're picking up when you're getting it. It doesn't have to be 500 pixels of the picture of your favorite campus or your favorite building or a bunch of kids hanging out together with you know the most amazing logo you could come up with. It shouldn't be any more than 250 pixels tall. And I even think sometimes that's too much. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're working on a banner, the bigger it is, the less content that people see when they open up your email. You know, so keep it short, keep it sweet. They already know it's coming from you. That's mm-hmm. your, that's your problem. You know, you don't have to yell it at them because you're just losing opportunity to put content in front of them when they first open. And that really ties into another piece. Um, you know, this idea of, of you're fighting against short attention span theater. Uh, you know, with, within a normal email, you have about seven to eight seconds to draw somebody into your message. That's about how much time they're going to grant you. Now, in your guys' space in the K-12 world, you get a little bit more because you have their kids so they're going to give you more like you know 10 seconds 12 seconds and and on a mouse if you've got the little wheel that's about one and a half to two scrolls you know that they're going to give you that they're going to give it a shot okay is there anything here that's going to draw me in well when your header is huge you're losing half a scroll so you're already at a disadvantage by going that route so you know use things like imaging, use things like bolts and, and bullets and, and colors and things like that to, to highlight what might grab somebody attention? somebody's attention. What are the most important things? You know, what are the things that are going to pull people into your communication? Because once you hook them, you've got them for longer. You know, you have more time than you can get that, uh, that other information, get them further down the email that you're putting out there. But you've got that initial span that, that you know, that they're going to have a chance to be distracted to bounce to the next email, to go look at Facebook to see what's happening. You've got to put the hooks in them and then really pull them in from there. Um, couple other ones. Everything that you learned uh, from your English teacher, and, and hopefully there's no English teachers that are listening to this, Forget all of those things you learned from English—not so not punctuation, not spelling—but you know what you were told was your paragraphs need to be three, four, five, six sentences, and that is in email world 100% wrong. You know, you start putting that kind of content together, that many sentences together in a row, um, that looks great on print, and that works wonderful if you're turning in a. Uh, you know, a a couple uh, paragraph summary of uh, the last book that you read. But when somebody opens that up on an email, especially on a phone, that becomes a huge intimidating block of text. And the eyes start to cross and they start to water. And when somebody hits a block block of text like that, they tap out. So you lose your opportunity because there's too much there. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. You know, two, three sentences. If you really have to pack it in there, you can go to four but, but short and sweet is definitely the way to go. And the last one I'll kind of throw at you is, is one of my favorites. It's this whole concept I came up with called destination content. So this kind of ties all of these things we just talked about together. If, if somebody opens up your email, if one of your parents, if one of your community members, heck even your staff opens up that email and they're greeted by a big pile of just stuff, And whether that stuff is just a lot of text or, you know, a lot of moving parts or just things that aren't interesting to them or things that's irrelevant to them, if that's what they're greeted with, you become what we call destination content. Now, what destination content means is um, that's somebody who is going to make a a plan or put on their to-do list to come back and to read your newsletter. Now, it shows up as an open. So in the stats world, hey, that person opened it but they didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. And what their plan is, is to come back to that, like I said, later on. Now, here's when that happens. The next time they've gotta to go to the bathroom, you better hope that your email pops in their mind before Candy Crush or Facebook does, <laughs> or the magazine that they have sitting on the back of the toilet, because that's what you're up against when it comes to destination content. That's when people sit down and read it, is when they're on the toilet. You know, we're we're the new crossword puzzle. So. If you become destination content, you better hope they're more excited to read your newsletter than they are to try to beat that next level in Candy Crush. And let's be honest, you're losing most of the time to Candy Crush. So keep the content that you're putting out there short and sweet. Um, You know, have links with chances to read more so it's not big blocks of stuff. Uh, You know, have good, catchy visuals. Target your information where you can. There are some tools that let you do that inside of an email mentioning names, benchmark marketable, Um, but there are some tools that can do that kind of stuff so that what you're sharing is relevant. So you know, really focus on those kind of things and don't become toilet reading material.
0: I love so much of what you just said because I agree with all of it. Um, I also, I just came up with a new phrase that encompasses all this, short, sweet, and neat. Um, I think you're right. Like if you look at Google, you go to Google.com, Pat. As you know, it is the most basic, user-friendly website in the world. That homepage does it take you to 18 billion different links? If you want to get to that, absolutely. But why Google is genius is because, and you look at all their products: Gmail, uh, Blogger, and everything you you do and interact with them. It is so user friendly, it's basic, it's not inundating you with all this information and trying to get everything at once. It is short, sweet, and neat, and it's so well organized. Um, so th- that's hard though, like when we're doing newsletters, and I'm guilty of it too, I wanna get in so much because I want this school to get in there, I want this news item in there, but it's it's hard to, so it's, hard to, it's harder to do um, than it sounds but it's also, you know, you're talking about making sure that people read it, so it's, if you have 18 things in there, it just becomes overwhelming and we shut down, but if it's neat, sweet, and organized, short and sweet, neat, it's much more easy to digest. How many items, if we're looking to do an e-newsletter, how many content items is a good number, and then where do we start getting at that's too many people are gonna be overwhelmed? What could stunning professional quality videos do for your school district's PR and communications? Find out how SchoolShine's professional video team can partner with your district at SchoolShine.org. This podcast is also brought to you by MarketVolt Email Newsletter Solutions, providing industry-leading email newsletter solutions that better connect over 800,000 parents, staff, and community members with their school districts.
2: Learn more about Market Volt at Better K12 Newsletter.com. Blackboard believes in the power of good communication in helping students succeed and is a proud sponsor of School PR with Ryan Ferran. Blackboard, education's partner in change. Now, back to the podcast.
3: Yeah. The- great question and and the interesting thing is there there's no real wrong answer which is the most cop-out answer I could possibly give you (laughs) Um, your your audience is gonna tell you what that looks like but but here's one of the keys Um, you know as, as you're putting stuff out there trying to stay as relevant as possible to your audience so there's different ways that that can happen sometimes it's you know delegating some of the communication down to your building level you know so that some of those stories can be shared there that are relevant really only to those groups of parents um, sometimes it's, it's breaking a district kind of newsletter down, um, and being able to drop it into the hands of, you know, only middle school parents or only high school parents when there's content that's relevant. As I shared before, some systems, and, and you know, we're blessed here with our, our both our market goals and our benchmark tools. Um, we've got a piece called dynamic content that lets us actually target content inside of a single message. So what we actually can start to do there is, we can, we can fight that challenge that you just described, that hey, I've got stuff that's talking about what's happening um, at this school, or stuff that's happening uh, with graduation. Well, well, graduation's important, but there's only eight to nine percent of your audience actually cares about all the graduation details. Because, so I I can tell you, I have a 13-year-old. That's my oldest. I don't care about graduation yet. I'm still, you know, he's a seventh grader. I'm still, oh, God, math, five years away from having to worry about graduation. So when you throw graduation details out in the newsletter, that's white noise to me. You know, I I skip past that. When it's it's basketball tryouts, when it's, you know, things going on at the middle school on the other side of town that aren't relevant to me, that's the stuff that, that makes me start to tune out. And when you hit too many of those in a row, that's when people stop. You know, they no longer get to the bottom part of your email. And the challenge there is the bottom part of the email might have been the part that's relevant to me, but I may never have seen it. So when you can target what's inside that message by the different audiences that you have, it becomes a game changer because now you can literally package the content that you're writing and hand deliver it to each one of your parents, each one of your staff members, you know, each one of your community members based on either what they've told you they're interested in or what you know about them uh you know cuz we can sync up with that student information system we know what building they're in we know what grade they're in so we can target the content that's out there so it really gives you some some pretty unique opportunities and and when you do that well now all of a sudden you can build 20 pieces of content in an email because as a parent what I'm going to get is the stuff that's important and relevant you know i might not get For me, I'm not going to get the high school stuff. I'm going to get the middle school. I'm going to get the elementary school because that's the kids that I have. That's where they're at. And that's what's relevant to my world. So from a sheer number, you know, I think if you start getting north of of kind of 10 to a dozen pieces of content. Um, now, there's some caveats that, you know, if, if you keep those really short and sweet, you know, here's one, two, three sentences with the read more, and you can stack up more pieces when you do it that way, um, you know, because you're really getting into sort of the, the reader's digest version and you're letting the meat of that message really live uh, kind of on your website or, or things like that. Um, you know, if you start going a little bit more long form, you know, it could be eight or 10 pieces might be too much or, or just enough. Um, you know, the the challenge becomes if, if you're six, eight, 10 scrolls, your stats will tell you, you know, are people clicking on the links at the bottom of that? I, I would say on average, most people aren't making it to the bottom of that message or it's getting cut off. You know, some systems like Gmail, after a certain point, they cut it off and you have to click a link to launch it separately. And a lot of people won't take that step. Um, you know so be be cognizant you know have the have the heavy value stuff towards the top um, keep it short and sweet I really do like the the, the nice little uh, rhythm that you kind of throw out with me there the, the short sweet and neat um, you know really kind of focus on some of those key pieces because it, it's not always how pretty it is you know as, as you reference with Google um, it, it's funny I've been at this for almost a decade now and early on was when email design got crazy. You know, everybody wanted to make the fanciest, prettiest with all the movingness Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the colors that. And the weird part was, is it didn't change open rates. It didn't change engagements. You know, people weren't clicking through more. It just was harder to figure it all out because there was so much going on. So like many websites had become a lot simpler, a lot more single column because of mobile friendliness. You're seeing that happening again when it comes to email because the content is what's driving it. You know, it's putting the stories out there, it's getting the important information people need to know. Um, and email, at the end of the day, is super effective at that. You know, we're delivering things into people's pockets. Um, no matter what system you use, you know, if, if you can put an email with the information that's important into somebody's pocket, onto their phone, uh, you know, into their computer, where they don't have to go hunting on the social media. They don't have to, you know, go to your page to try to find the information or go visit the website to get the detail. You know, we want stuff to be there for when we want to find it. But if there's stuff that needs to be shared, email is a tremendous tool um, for really getting that stuff out there.
0: Yeah, I love how your platform. It'll you can write this big newsletter, but. The middle school parents are only going to get the middle school stuff, so it's the read rates are way higher. That's a that's a really useful tool uh, for sure. And I love what you said too about you, we all went through this phase. And I talked to my interns about graphic design. Like some of them will try and get really artsy, and the fonts so sophisticated. And I go back to what is the point of creating this poster or this image for social media? And then they explain, well, to have people sign up for this event or go to the rally or whatever, it's like you—that's the point of it. It's not to make a piece of art that you're going to put in a museum that nobody can read the text. Even you—you you look at billboards and stuff; they try to get too cute. It's like the main objective. I can't read it. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs>
3: that's my wife all the time. I don't even know what that says. Did they not know they were making it for a billboard? Right. I can't it's, even read it. A—it's yeah. like the, it
0: the the font's too small or B, there's too much distracting stuff taking me away from the text and I can't read it in the first place. So it's like, Absolutely. get back, figure out what the objective is. If you wanna you know, show your amazing art skills, that's great. But in graphic design and communications, it's having people absorb the information and to make it, you know, short, sweet and neat is the best way to do it. Getting into. Um, so I'm a big fan of bullet points, bolding and stuff like that and making it organized for people. So they I tell them this is the very important stuff and try to try and do that. What are some of the other tips, Pat, that you see for best practices as far as. Um, utilizing color, what fonts should we use? Uh, stuff like that.
3: Absolutely. So, you know, I would say from a, from a bold and a and a color and a bullet standpoint, you know, use those sparingly, but use them for emphasis. You know, it, if everything that you're doing has a ton of bullet points and you got bold everywhere it all kind of washes itself out. And if everything is bold, then nothing is bold. Um, And kind of the same thing with color. You know, it it goes back to the, you know, when when our backgrounds were repeated, uh, you know, American Eagles with flags behind them, and there were 60 of them as the background of our website because we could take the one image and replicate it, and that was your background. Um, You know, when we were doing that kind of design, maybe that was just me, um, (laughs) if you're doing a lot of, you know, highlighting of things with yellows and reds and things like that to try to make them pop, if you get too many of those, it, again, it sort of just becomes noisy. And when things become noisy, people turn off. you know people they, they don't really latch on to what you're trying to share. So use that stuff, but use it sparingly because if you do too much, you sort of lose the emphasis of what it can be. And one that gets forgotten oftentimes kind of in the design perspective um, is this concept called stacking links. So this is another one I'm going to talk about uh, on on Friday here uh, and then in a couple weeks. As you're building out stuff in your email, try not to have too many links sort of in the same area or on top of each other. Um, And it's not as much a problem for those that are reading on a desktop because your mouse pointer is super fine and super precise. But when, on average, 50 to 70% of your audience is probably gonna read your newsletter on a mobile device, look at your finger it's not nearly as precise as that little pointy mouse is. So if you're stacking links, if you're putting a bunch of links kind of in a row, and I see this all the time when it comes to like sidebars in a newsletter where here's the website, the calendar, the lunch menu and whatever, and those are all stacked one on top of the other, that's hard for a finger to be accurate on and people You know, you wanna keep that frustration level low. If I go in and I try to hit it and it doesn't get to the right spot, I might try it again, but eventually I'm just gonna throw my hands up and I'm gonna say, that's not that important, I don't care. So you wanna give people the easy button as much as you can from a design perspective, from a content perspective, from an accessibility perspective. Uh, you know, really have those things in mind as you're putting pieces together. And stacking links is one of those things to try to avoid to help with that. Um, sometimes it's just adding an extra space between them, you know, just to make it a little bit easier. Maybe it's making it a button instead of it being a text link. Maybe you can make it a button so it eats up a little bit more room, um, you know, so it's a little easier to tap. There are some other ways that you can kind of get around that, but but it makes it a lot easier from a usability standpoint um, and, and getting people to the information that you
0: that's such a good point, Pat, about I never even thought about it like that. On the desktop, your mouse and your pointer is so fine that you could you can navigate between spaces and get to a, a link. Absolutely. But it and is. that's where you're building it. So you don't even think about it. You're like, right. yeah, I just
3: put it all on there. So it
0: worked just fine. But yeah. there's
3: that whole other world.
0: But I yeah. told you you were going to learn something today, Ryan. And there's it, nothing you, else, I
3: got that. Well, that and how many kids and dogs I have. So.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but you're right. It's such a good point because it's so frustrating when you go to click on a link on when you're reading something from your phone and you click the wrong link because it's right next to it and you're like, Ugh. And then you got to go back and may, you may just forget about it because it's so annoying. But that, that brings up a good question, I guess, is how much should we be thinking about what you said about the consumption of where you may be crafting this on your desktop which most people will be but it's really probably more important to think about where they're going to be reading and consuming it how much should we put into that and what can we do to help with that
3: Absolutely so on average what we see sort of in email industry out here you know you're going to see, and I just threw that number out there, 50 to 70% of your audience is probably going to view this on their phone. Now, now in your guys' world, um, you know, you might even be on the higher end of that because you're going to have parents who might be, you know, having the email thrown to their personal address as opposed to their work email address, and their work email is what they would get on their desktop, and, you know, their their, uh, personal might be the one that they get on their phone or, you know, those kinds of things, so um, you might also have a number of parents, depending on your community, that, you know, their main or only source of internet might be their phone. You know, so if they're getting their email, that's where it's coming to them at. So you're going to see a huge percentage of your audience is picking this up on their mobile device. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the key things to think about there, uh, and really one of the big ones that we we discuss often, because one of the kind of favorite layouts for whatever reason that we see from a lot of our districts is that, that right column layout, you know, where you've got uh, a bunch of, of content on the left side, but there's that nice skinny column running down the right side. Well, a, a mobile friendly template, what we call a responsive template or a responsive design, most of those systems are going to take that column and deposit it at the bottom of the left column. Uh, so that's how it's becoming responsive. It's, it's getting skinnier uh, vertically so that the text isn't all squished into a little, uh, a little space that you're working with from there. At least that's what most of our systems should be doing. If, if your email out of the gate, if you're working with a in the same order of what I'm expecting so I can control what that view is. And so keeping that in the back of your mind as you're putting the pieces together, you know, the links, the layout, the, the imaging, all of that kind of stuff really is something that should be um, on the top of your mind as you're putting the pieces together.
0: I'm learning lots today, Pat. I love it. Single column. That's, that's good advice. All of that is just really good strategy to keep in mind that I think we sometimes overlook, but it's so important. We want people to read our information, but to make it easier for them, that will be digested at a much higher rate. <clears throat> One thing I love about your system, I always you know, tell people and preach this with my interns, is that you could have this great story, this great article, but if I don't know it's great, then I'm not going to click on it. So the caption writing and getting people to click read more is huge. Same thing, so that applies with the internal email itself, but what I love that your system does is the subject headline to the email, you have this, I don't know how it works, but it's genius, ways to try different subject headlines and then it will decipher for you which one is the most effective and getting the most read rates.
3: Absolutely. So, one one of the cool tools that we offer it's it's a concept or a, a tool called either A/B or split testing, um, and it, so it's a it's a, a fairly widespread concept in kind of the marketing world and some of that kind of stuff. But it's really applicable. Um, even at its most basic level, which is subject line, so there there are tools that get really complicated when it comes to split testing, where you can test different emails and you can you know check the date and times and test those against different things, and not all of those are going to be applicable, you know, in the the K twelve newsletter world, you know, you guys aren't going to build. Two different versions of your newsletter to see which one might drive the most action. It's it's hard enough most times to just build the first email, much less build the second one. And and a lot of times there's timely content in there. So to try to say well more more people open this at at noon on Thursday as opposed to 4 p.m. on Friday. Well, it's hard to figure out when to send out the the winner of that you know because our our content needs to be out by you know noon on Friday kind of a thing. But but subject line is an easy one to test, and it's amazing how much impact something as simple as a subject line can have. So as a great example, so, so Ryan, you saw my newsletter, or you better have seen my newsletter. That just went out this week here. Um, so I sent it out, and what I do is, is I run a 24-hour test. So on Tuesday, my newsletter goes out to three different test groups. Uh, the groups are about 150 or so people out of my bigger audience, um, and each one of them has a different subject line. So I test three different subject lines there, and I run that test for 24 hours. Now you could run that test for something as small as three or four or five hours. So you know you could send out a subject line test at you know noon on Thursday, and by six o'clock you know which one's done the best, and you can send that out to everybody else. Um, but but I can tell you. I've I've got one of my clients um, here in the St. Louis area, in fact, she just reached out to me, uh, Mickey Schoonover with Pattonville Schools, just this week, I think it was. Um, we had sat down last week as she was looking to drive some some activity with her open rates. Um, she was really hoping to kind of beef those up, and we talked about two things. One of them we mentioned earlier, this idea of targeting our content, and the other one was testing that subject line. Um, and she just reached out and kind of given me some some positives. Hey, Amazingly enough, the things that you told me, they worked. You know, we're, we've seen over last year our open rates have increased. You know, because I, on just the one this week alone, I ran three different subject lines. Between my top performer and my bottom performer was a difference of 14%. Now, that was 150 people, so 14% is, you know, 10 people, 15 people, not a huge number. But when you start talking about parent lists and bigger districts where we might have you know, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 or more parents, even something like a, a four or five or 6% difference could be hundreds of parents, and if you start getting to 10 and 12%, we might be talking about thousands of parents. So you never know what it is that's gonna be the thing that really latches in, that, that connects with your readers. And, and it's funny, it's never the one that I think and I don't know what that says about me and what I'm writing Um, but but I'm writing all those subject lines um, and I'm always like okay this is the best one for sure and then it's always something different you know I think Probably two out of my last 50 uh, have I picked the one that was really the winner that ends up working. But it's funny how just something as simple as testing a subject line. And I've even had different districts that kind of turned it into games. You know, if there's teams of you, you know, if you've got a group of a couple folks, have each person give a subject line. Uh, now, whether you want to put a drink on that or not, that's up to you. Uh, but then you can kind of get different people's perspective on, you know, what are some of those important things. And from a subject line, do yourself a favor. Don't put, you know, a... Uh, uh, May seventeenth newsletter. That's not helping you at all. They know it's the newsletter. Give mm-hmm. them some of the content. Give them a reason to pay attention, um, and, and kind of have two or three things in there. Keep them short. Keep them sweet, and use that as a teaser uh, for what people can look forward to. You know, you're you're not getting a newspaper or getting a magazine. Um, you know, and very rarely is it a Blake front, and then you have to open it to get stuff. Same thing when it comes to your subject line. You know that's the that's the, the the soul to your message. You're opening the door and saying, "All right, this is what's going to bring you in, or what's not." So, so use that to your advantage.
0: That sounds so fun. I love the subject email writing game. Let's play some wagers on this in, in the departments. Absolutely. That would be amazing. Um, so having your sounds like your uh, your own ratio of guessing which one. <laughs> <laughs> would do the best is not great. I'm, I'm not I'm writing the ball. I'm not
3: writing at least I'm winning
0: every time. I'm not taking you to <laughs> Vegas with me on this, but, so, getting the data back, what have you learned from what works better for a subject line? What are some of the common themes that we should be thinking of when we're writing subject lines for emails? You know, it's, when there's stuff that's that's urgent, when there's
3: stuff that's timely, um, you know, those are always nice. You know, when it's stuff that has a broad impact, that's going to drive more. You know, if you if your subject line is you know a single student won an award and that's the headline of your entire newsletter, yeah, people are excited by that. That's cool, but that's not driving people to open that message. And, and let's be honest, in your guys' world, in a K twelve space, you have a distinct advantage. Again, you have their kids. There, there's important information that you're sharing. There's stuff that you're sharing that's immediately relevant, no matter what. So you're not Kohl's, you know, you're not Gap, you're not, you know, the the sporting goods store or the restaurant, uh, you know, where there's got to be something that feels like it's compelling or some kind of a special offer or deal. Most of your parents are going to engage in some way, but for those that are on the fence, that may not open it every time. When you can give them stuff that, that has an impact, that that relates to them as much as you possibly can, even in the subject line, um, or sort of teases information that they might, um, that they should know, that they should have interest in, that they should care about, the more often you can do that, the more likely you are to to draw those kind of in-betweeners, um, you know, into the message. And then once they get in there, if there's content that they find important, what starts to happen is, is that stacks. You know, you're going to have a base of your your parents, your staff members, your community members that you could literally send out an email with no subject line and nothing but text, and and they're going to read it. But then there's – and then there's the other side of that. You're going to have some people that just will never care, parents that are like, ah, it doesn't matter. I don't care. You know, if it's important, my kid will tell me. That whole group in the middle, that's the group that you need to build upon that's going to really drive what those open rates and what those engagement. You know that's the difference from a 30% open rate and a 60% open rate and if you can draw them in with a good subject line and then give them content that they care about what happens is you'll pull those people in incrementally you know you'll get 10 or 20 here you'll get 50 or 100 there and then when they stick then they're gonna be part of that group that'll open every time, and now you're gonna add more to that, and that's how over the course of really running a, a solid, successful growth campaign with your communications, that's how you see those, those increases really happen from you know what, what Mickey was seeing, from going from those lower percentages up into those higher percentages.
0: Yeah, I think even with storytelling, and this applies to writing good email subjects where people will engage with it, information details and specifics so instead of like to your point elementary student wins art contest open the newsletter and find out more it's holly avenue fourth grader michelle smith wins statewide competition you know something with more details more information it's connection to a school a person and then what's unique about it it's a statewide competition or it's a first time they've won the award uh, so the more information and details, uh, the better. I always tell people think about what you click on all day. You're on social media, you're on yeah. websites. What makes you click on stuff? And I use clickbait sometimes as an example. Like the news, some news stations use it, and they're very effective at it. But it's like, why did you click on that ridiculous story? It's because they left you on a cliff, and you had to find out. Read why Pat Hahn ended up um on the national Enquirer front page last week like dang it i gotta click and read this now so like, Wait, what, what don't i know ryan what what are you telling me you'll what, have I to, to go pick up a national Enquirer. you're gonna oh, have crap. to read monday's edition with the rest of america
3: <laughs> well played sir well played
0: but it, that's that's like how like think i tell people think what how do you consume stuff what is interesting to you you get 100 emails which ones do you open and which ones do you not open which ones are you know vital so it's like you're also a consumer so put your consumer hat on and that will help your communications hat as well so one thing about the the newsletter that i I love and and just working with you like you're a vendor you're a company but you you do so many more gives than asks and I, i when i do communications for marketing and companies, I, I tell them, you gotta do gives. The The give to ask ratio needs to be way higher. It needs to be four to one. A lot of companies that make a mistake of just asking for this, subscribe to this, buy my product, and it's like, what are you giving people? Your newsletter does such a good job of giving information for free. It is free to sign up, and it's amazing. One thing I love about it, the way you curate content from the best of the best and put it out there for us. So you do all the hard work for it, for us. Like your
3: podcast maybe? Like maybe a little bit of that? That gets out there I think sometimes, doesn't
0: it? It does, and that's just, (laughs) that's that's the genius of (laughs) Pat Hahn and Market Vault. So give us like the few people we should be following on Twitter and social media where they're your go-to people that if we're not following, you know we're gonna get good stuff and good connections. That's where I, I met a ton of people, and people I've had in this podcast through social media, and I know you know who to follow. Who are some of the must-follows on social media for school oh, PR? Look at,
3: look at you putting me on the spot here, I know. Um, and
0: you better not leave anybody out because they're going to be offended. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well, of course, you, Ryan. I love, I love getting the podcast and, and seeing the stuff you're throwing out there. Um, I would say some of my crews down in Texas. Uh, you know, we've got um, the School PR podcast and, and uh, that team. Um, do a great job uh, We just lost one uh, We just had uh, Jessica Johnson I know just jump ship from the K-12 world She's got a great resource um, with a blog that she puts together, and she's staying in the marketing world, uh, but she's got a great school PR three sixty five page that I get a lot from uh, Jason Wheeler. So that'll that'll make his ears perk up when he hears that uh, mm-hmm. on my newsletter that just went out. I think I had three or four
0: different pieces yeah. from him in there. Your, your uh, subject was I. I think stuff. your your subject was I just stole Jason Wheeler's like week on Twitter or something like that and put yep, it Yep, <laughs> yep.
3: You know, I think I, I pulled about three different articles over his last like two or three weeks because. Um, there was some good stuff on there and some good meat, and, and it really tied in. He had a good piece on TikTok, and I, I had another article around TikTok, and they, they fit together really well because he was talking about, uh, you know, why TikTok should matter for K K-12. You know, you've got enough, enough tools out there, but why is this one that maybe you should add to the list um, and kind of dig into some of that kind of stuff. Uh, Leslie Brunton, down in with her stuff, uh, um, does a really good job. Um, Julie Phantom, uh, is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, I'm gonna try to rattle all these guys off. There's a great Facebook group, um, that, uh, I love and it really gives me a lot of good insight and, uh, you know, a sneak peek behind the curtain. Ah, uh, the school Communicators uh, Facebook group. It's a private group., yeah. um, but if you are in the school PR space, uh, you can go on and answer a couple of questions and jump in, and that's you know hundreds and hundreds of school PR people from across the country. Um, that's a great resource. It, I mean, I bet I bet there's twenty or thirty folks a day asking for different things, a ton of sharing going on there. Um so that ends up being a really, really great resource. Um, Jill Filipino, um, out of the Go Crickets, Nice. Uh, I got to hear him speak up in North in uh, New York uh, at, at Nicebra back last fall. Um, he's always fun to watch. He, he lives a minute from uh, where he's the superintendent uh, for his district and uh, does a one-minute walk every morning uh, and records himself and shares some good stuff there. So he's got some goodies there. So uh, my brain probably has a lot more trapped in it, uh, and there's more that are out there. But you know, see who I'm retweeting out there in the Twitter world, and that'll give you a good list too.
0: Yeah, I, I just act- sure
3: I missed 10 of them but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just actually had I've had Jason Wheeler on the podcast I think a couple of times and it's a great yep. conversation he's, he's one of those uh, Texas guys that is just really on the cutting edge and a lot of good marketing stuff that applies and what I like about him he uses a lot of stuff from big companies some of their mm-hmm. strategies and applies them to schools which is just a unique lens uh, and a new lens way to do it um, so I have a podcast with him on here, the School PR Podcast episode, which is amazing. I recommend that. And then, Absolutely. yeah, Dr. Uh, San Filippo out of uh, Wisconsin had him on recently and had a great conversation. He's put, oh, he's put Fall Creek on the map and had a really good uh, episode with him talking about, you know, his one minute to walk, you know, that you mentioned that's kind of started it all. And Yeah how he uses communications to engage the community, increase enrollment and all that. So that was a great recent episode. Uh, and, and
3: then one for our K-12 people that are out there, people that are in this uh, this PR world that, that school districts are all about. Um, two of my favorites, uh, Kristen and Sean with, the, the uh, hashtag k 12 well team. Uh, so MarketVolt supports some of the stuff that they're doing. We've, uh, we've got them using our platform to kind of, you know, keep, keep a pulse on the, uh, the health and mental well-being, especially during all of this stuff, um, that's going on for, for all of our K12 folks. You know, they're, they're a good team. They're a good, du- a good duo and, and put a lot of good stuff out there, um, both on social and on email. So they're always, a, a, a good pair to follow as well.
0: Pat, we appreciate the support here on the School PR Podcast with Market Volt. has done for us. It's been a great partnership, so we appreciate everything. Um, how can people, if they're interested in connecting, asking more about MarketVolt and the newsletter and all that, how do people connect with you uh, to find out more?
3: Absolutely. So you can track me down. We think we threw it out Twitter. I'm at MV underscore Pat. Uh, you can get me direct on email, pat.com uh H A W N, at benchmarkemail.com. You can still get me at my Market Bolt. Uh, Market Bolt actually merged with a couple of software companies at the beginning of the year. So uh, I'm sort of transitioning brands and doing some of that there. So if you can't spell hawn, Pat at MarketBolt.com, you can get me at as well. Um, We've got some really pretty crazy cool things coming up here a little bit later uh, this year into early parts of summer. Um, So we're super excited about what's coming on that end. Some brand new software stuff being built uh, specifically for the K-12 market. Um, So we're really excited about what all that looks like. Uh, In fact, you can learn more on that um, off of our new page and our new brand. Uh, So if you check out, um, it's HatchBuck, hatch like an egg, buck like a deer, hatchbuck.com forward slash K-12. That's actually one of our old brands that we're transitioning into our new benchmark platform. But on that website, we've actually got a sign up for kind of an early access sneak peek into this brand new tool um, that we're rolling out that's got the power of a corporate communication tool that we're bringing into uh, the K-12 space that we're super excited to launch here in the first part of June. So um, definitely check that out. And uh, we're Excited to be supporting you, Ryan, and what you're doing with the podcast and, you know, everybody out there in the K-12 community, you know, as a, as a guy who's got four kids that uh, are really just diving into this school thing with a, a seventh grader, a fifth grader, a second grader, and then a four-year-old that's still a couple of years from diving in there, K-12 is going to put up with me for a while. So, you know, we love <laughs> to do what we can to, you know, both myself personally. Um, I come from a family where my grandma owned a daycare. My mom was a kindergarten teacher for 25 years. Um, you know, we, we know the importance of education on a lot of levels, um, and love supporting all the things that you guys are doing, um, both with our software, with our newsletter and, and, you know, just what we can do to help you guys out. So, um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hopefully we set the new world record for uh, the Ryan friend uh, guest pod,
0: uh, guest podcasts, uh, here. And, and if not, I can keep talking. We can see we're, what we can do. We're getting there. <laughs> we're, we're getting, we're getting close. We're, uh, almost approaching an hour, but it's. It's a great conversation, and just, Pat, in all sincerity, it just, I tell people, vendors that are in companies that are new to conferences and stuff, it's like you gotta just go with the flow, be helpful, don't don't oversell and sell hard, and I think that's one of the things that why you and Market Bowl are so successful. You're there if people have questions, you have a great product, but you're not pushing so hard, and you just found a way to give back to the school PR community through the newsletter and everything you're doing, webinars, Um, so we appreciate the support Um, and I know you know I was talking to Chris Prince another sponsor of the podcast and there's so many different platforms out there as far as websites and um, education management but the one thing I know about him and you if I ever have an issue I can call you immediately and it's going to get resolved so that's like customer service and marketing and companies it's such a big big component for me at least and and I know that with you know with you you're just so responsible to people and and willing to help so we appreciate everything you've done for the school PR community in this podcast so thank you thank you thank you sir
3: absolutely well I I look forward to when we get back to whatever is the new normal and we can get out and see everybody again at at our conferences obviously we were Pretty disappointed uh, with St. Louis being the home of, of Market Volt and and Benchmark and all that. We were looking forward to getting everybody here in our backyard in July for for the national conference. It looks like that's going to be pushed a couple of years out, but uh, you know, hopefully we can get it back out and see everybody. Uh, you know, join me virtually with a couple of the webinars coming up, and hopefully we'll have more of that coming in the near future. So at least you know we can connect that way and give me a yell on on social media. You know, we always uh, we love hanging out with everybody. You know, we can do a virtual beer or something like that or you know, at least, uh, you know, know, we're keeping you guys in our, in our thoughts and everything. Cause, um, you know, as much as COVID has been what it's been for a lot of us all individually, you know, the, the, the effort that you guys have had to put in and kind of figuring these things out on the fly and, you know, having to, to be such an integral part of our community that just quite frankly had to make stuff up as it was as it was coming at you you know none, none of you guys realize when you signed up for school pr that you're going to become pandemic experts on top of everything else so um you know we appreciate all the work that, that you do um you know out there in california all of you that are listening to this um you know across your communities and with your folks because um, as a parent as somebody who has kids in districts um you know we we know how important you are and, and you know you don't hear it enough i don't think you know you, you get to hear the anger and you get to hear the people yelling at you on, on the twitters and the facebooks and all that stuff but you know for those of us who are in the know um you know friday's uh uh school pr school communication day uh that should be a month you know one, one day is never enough to show the appreciation for what we should all have with you guys so thanks for
0: all the things that you guys do and i appreciate you, you having me on today absolutely pat appreciate it and you guys gave away a million you know amazon gift cards just for the heck of it it
3: was a hundred it was a hundred don't don't overblow it because then that people was... who signed up later gonna wonder where there's <laughs> exactly.
0: one so. so it was two million you gave away and and cats cats no, kids no, hey, I don't, and what I have else
3: that kind of budget what do i look like in Toronto come on now <laughs>
0: uh, all right pat good catching up we'll do it again soon you are the man
3: absolutely thanks ryan thank you sir
0: Hi, this is Rob Wilsey, founder of Schoolshine. We make custom professional quality videos for school districts. We wanna make sure your district has the very best video content possible and the best content strategy so you can get the most out of your videos. So check out some samples at schoolshine.org and schedule a call with us today to learn how you can take your videos to the next level. That's schoolshine.org.
1: Do you wish that creating and sending email newsletters took less time and effort Would you like more parents to tune in and read your district's newsletter? If so, try MarketVolt, the email newsletter platform tailored for districts like yours. With MarketVolt, it's simple to create newsletters that parents will read. MarketVolt automatically customizes your newsletter to match each parent's interest. With MarketVolt, you can create better newsletters with less headache and less hassle. Visit BetterK12Newsletter.com to learn what MarketVolt can do for you. That's betterk12newsletter.com, powered by MarketVolt.
2: Hey there, PR experts. Blackboard here. School PR is about telling the story of your students, your teachers, and your school community. From websites and mass notifications to mobile presence and classroom engagement, Blackboard has the tools that you need. And whether you're a one-person shop or part of a bigger communication team, we can help you reach more people more effectively in less time. Thank you for all the work you do in improving education and helping students succeed. And thanks for letting us be a part of it.